Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. What is your favorite Disney movie? Most people generally concur up thoughts of animated film classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or The Lion King or Tangled and Moana. These and more are found in the wonderful world of animation, a projection show mapped out on the Chinese theater at Disney's Hollywood Studios. But that show has a companion piece, and recently, Disney Movie Magic returned to Disney's Hollywood Studios. This projection show, Under the Stars After Sunset, is a companion piece to that animation tribute. I want to showcase that film or the films from that show and use it as a stepping stone to talk about my favorite Disney film classics. Moreover, let's talk about the presence of those same films, or perhaps the lack thereof, in the Disney parks. As we look over the decades, we see that beyond animation, Disney's film productions are a showcase in and of themselves. Make sure you also check out DisneyAtPlay.com where we have got lots of links and videos and images that portray uh, much of what we're going to talk about. In particular, we're going to showcase for you right up front the Disney Movie Magic Show. Now, because it's a podcast, you can only hear it, you can't see it. You can, of course, go again to DisneyAtPlay.com and see the whole thing. I've done it from multi, multiple angles. And you can see the whole thing play out. But I want you to listen to it. And as you listen to it, see if you can hear your favorite Disney films uh, that have been created by the studios over the years. And uh, see how many you can make out in terms of either narrative or the um, motion picture score. So, without further ado, let's listen to Disney Movie Magic. Welcome to Hollywood. Not a place map, but a state of mind that exists wherever people dream and wonder and imagine. A place where illusion and reality are fused by technological magic. We welcome you to a Hollywood that never was and always will be. Disney's Hollywood Studios presents Disney Movie Magic. Now your host, Walt Disney. And how long has it since you had a world premiere? Well, of course, the big, uh, the big important premiere was uh, Snow White, but we had a couple after that. This could be. I'll hear what you have been. All that beneath you. With every last that must be a tear, I believe in it. From time to time, people ask me, which is the favorite of all the pictures that we've made? Well, it's the one that you're going to see right now. Ha <laughs> ha 
movie magic. We'll see you at the movies. All right, I think you've heard a lot of Disney films played through there. Hopefully you've uh, you know some of the musical scores and uh, and you've uh, familiar with many of the uh, statements that are made throughout the show. Again, it, you may want to go back and, and see it on uh, YouTube when you have a chance. But and, and my list, let me just talk about my top 10 list because many of them come from here. But some are are really barely even represented by this. So um, my list doesn't include anything from Lucasfilm, which uh, are Jim Henson or Marvel or 20th Century Fox. Now, um, relative to Lucasfilm, you heard in the show uh, lines from, and of course the music from Indiana Jones. That's the represented thing. What you don't hear from Lucasfilm is anything from Star Wars because Disney has another show at the Chinese theater that is based on a Star Wars spectacular. So, so they've taken all of that out of this one and just kept Indiana Jones. But for me, I never felt like as much as I love and probably love them more than a lot of the movies I'm going to name here, I've never saw them as Disney films. They are now part of the Disney umbrella and family, but I never saw them as 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 Disney films. I feel the same way about Jim Henson, and I feel that same way about Marvel. Love, love Marvel films. And um, there are a lot of great ones out there. They only depict two of the Marvel films in this uh, show. One of them has to do with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and the other is, has to do with Doctor Strange. And it's kind of funny because I think you're all familiar that that because of Universal's previous agreement with Marvel prior to Disney's acquisition, most of Marvel films or much of Marvel cannot be depicted at Walt Disney World. Um, and yet there are a couple that do show up that aren't necessarily in the contract, supposedly. The one is obviously Guardians of the Galaxy, and of course we've got a big attraction coming at Epcot. That's because you can show um, that uh, film, and because it's not part of those characters, I think there are like 300 characters that are under the Universal Marvel Agreement. Doctor Strange has always been a little, well, strange, because they really don't punch that one up as an attraction. It's almost like they're always trying to kind of get under the radar with that one. Uh, again, there has not been any attraction announced for Doctor Strange at Walt Disney World, which would be very cool if they did. Shortly after the movie initially came out, they did do a Doctor Strange kind of appearance on what was the back lot? If you remember the area where you would go board the uh, back lot tram tour, that area by the big Coke bottle, I mean, it was about as, as kind of quiet a corner as you could create at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And for, it seemed like a week or two, they had Doctor Strange kind of showing up in that corner, but, but they've never had him appear since that I've seen. Um, I should also say that 20th Century Fox 
hey, probably the greatest movie of all time, in my opinion, is The Sound of Music. But it doesn't show up again in this Disney movie magic. And I don't expect it to. Um, but we're going to cover... We're going to cover just Disney movie films that I feel were under the Disney umbrella, uh, with the exception of two films um, that are under the Touchstone label. I'm not really representing much under Touchstone or Hollywood Pictures or any of the other Disney subsidiaries. And new films, which are very much depicted, like Beauty and the Beast, The Jungle Book, Aladdin, uh, Mulan... Uh, they are all depicted as films. In fact, actually, I think it's interesting. Mulan is added in here uh, because Mulan came out, as you recall, during the the uh, uh, COVID period. So they've actually since added in the Mulan uh, portion into the experience, um, as they have uh, added some of the animated films into the uh, into the other show. Uh, tribute show that uh, uh, is uh, The Wonderful World of Animation, um, which appears about 15 minutes after this show does. Anyway, long story short, I'm not including any of those in my list, uh, but they are actually depicted, even though sometimes in very small forms, they are actually depicted in the... Um, in Disney Movie Magic. So let me start with number 10. Newsies. From a strict storyline, the film probably does not deserve to be on the list. It is a mess of a of a plot storyline. But its music and its characters and its dancing are so memorable that you have to pay attention it's just become a cult classic over the years of watching. And my kids fell in love with it like I did and watched it forever in a day on VHS. Um, and in truth, eventually, the film became um, an even better musical when it was kind of rethought out plot-wise. It became a better musical on Broadway. Uh, so in my view... Newsies is a great show and deserves to be on this list. It does need to be remade again with a new plot line similar to the musical on Broadway, but the original still has plenty of heart. A show with Newsies, um, by the way, used to be seen off the red car trolley at Disney California Adventure, and I have a, a video of that in the in uh, uh, DisneyAtPlay.com and uh, showing the season day number. There also was this great, unbelievably sized musical number that was done for the 2012 Christmas Parade show at the Magic Kingdom. So I just, I had to add that piece as well. If you haven't seen that, that actually includes the original stars of Newsies, but then all cast of additional Newsies, I don't know where they found them, um, are added to the entire parade finale. It's a big Newsies number. Um, it would be great. Somebody mentioned the other day they were talking about the Hyperion Theater at the end of Hollywood Backlot at Disney's Hollywood Studios. That would be a great place to put a Newsy show. And I have to agree, a 30-minute Newsy show would be a lot of fun in that theater. I will also say that um, they would be crazy not to put the... 
uh, what is the, if you've been watching a Hawkeye, you know that they created this fictional um, Marvel Broadway show. And I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering what the title of it is. It's as campy as I'll get out, but it would be a perfect add-on to the whole Marvel land to put in some kind of Marvel thing, and which I actually mentioned in a number of podcasts ago. But to see it to display Cap, is it called Captain? Or it, um, it's based on Captain America as the center of it, but but it includes all the Marvel characters, the Avengers, and I think it would be a very funny uh, show to put into the Hyperion, any of those. But this is about movies, not about, about theater. But that is number 10, Newsies. Number nine is Tron. Now, the original film was a pioneer in computer graphics. You know, it is what inspired John Lasseter to form what would eventually become Pixar uh, with all of its CGA. Still, I'm not entirely sure I've ever stayed awake watching the first film. And yet, the second companion film, decades later, brings us to get this th things together in a new way. And this is an intellectual property that should not be ignored. Moreover, as I show in my video, the coaster is amazing. And people are going to go crazy when that Tron coaster comes out in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom. Who knows when it happens, but when it happens, people are going to be crazy and people are going to want another Tron movie, which, by the way, I am, I in order to get keep my list down to 10, I am coupling a few things together. So I'm actually, Tron, the original, would be difficult to put as number nine in here if it wasn't for um, the second Tron film. I felt like together they form that... Um, one. So this may not be my top 10 movie list, maybe my top 10 movie franchise list. Which brings me to another thing, to another example of that, which is number eight, The Love Bug. This too is a series, but unfortunately the more films Disney made with Herbie, the worse it became. The original was novel, became so heartwarming, made a ton of money in the late 60s for Walt Disney Productions, which really helped the company... Uh, stay out of debt when they were building Walt Disney World, which I talked about in my just previous podcast, The Last Two Decisions of Roy O. Disney. If you haven't heard that, please make sure you do. Uh, the Love Bug film starred David Tomlinson, who um, shows up in this list more than any other star for, for a funny, I don't know why, but because he's not necessarily my favorite actor by any stretch. Um, but yet he is, um, he just happened to be in some of the great movie films. And by the way, an, an incredibly great gentleman too. If you're not familiar with his own life story, he, uh, he had a very, very uh, difficult personal life earlier. He married a woman who um, was actually... Um, the daughter of a man who was vice president of New York Life, but she had been widowed in 1941 when her, when her husband was killed in action. And so when he married her, he not only married her, but her two young sons. 
Um, but what was even tragic is two years later, uh, she killed herself and took her two sons um, uh, with her in a suicide of jumping off of a hotel in New York City. So losing all three. So he, he that is that is a crazy thing to have to deal with. And um, he ultimately would marry uh, a couple of years later to another woman. They lived, they had a 47-year-old marriage and, and had four children of their own. But he has a long filmography of things that he has done, including many Disney films that I'll be mentioning here. But uh, uh, it, you can't talk about the original Love Bug without giving acknowledgement to David Tomlinson, of course, um, uh, Dean Jones and, and the other uh, terrific performers that are in Buddy Hackett that are in the, the original Love Bug. Number seven is The Rocketeer. What would you think if Disney was to do a sort of comic book style of film, hey? You know? <laughs> As we all know, uh, with Marvel it's been done, but back then they didn't have Marvel. And... Um, so it uh, it came about early on as Disney's kind of original foray into comic book films, which was then uh, followed up by Dick Tracy, which is a great film, but I did not list it in my top 10. There is something that just soars with The Rocketeer. It is such a, a great feeling movie to be in. And the cast, I think, was a great cast. Um, it came out in 1971 and included Alan Arkin, Timothy Dalton, but, um, but really Bill Campbell and Jennifer Connelly, just, wow, wonderful people and a really great concept. It really tied well in 91 to the, that look and feel of Disney's Hollywood studios. And in fact, if you're not aware, um, there is still a nod to the Rocketeer in uh, in Disney's Hollywood Studios. You have to turn the corner uh, and go over to Keystone uh, Street, which is, runs parallel to Hollywood Boulevard and, and across from Echo Lake. And there you'll see PV's polar line. And you'll actually look for the, look for the hat. You'll actually see the helmet uh, show up there. And originally... The Bulldog Cafe was lovingly moved over to uh, the Backlot Tour and was part of that scene, along with the uh, with the plane that's given to the Rocketeer at the end of the film. That, too, was at one time shown. So Rocketeer had roots. I think it should have been a ride. Also was uh, music to the fountains over at Epcot. I It's missing not being in this, uh, in the parks more. And by the way, what is good news is Disney Plus is preparing what's called in uh, the return of Ro the Rocketeer, uh, which kind of takes it to, I think, his granddaughter um, taking possession of the helmet, something of that nature. So anyway, we'll see more to come on that. But Rocketeer was a great movie. If you've never seen it, definitely check it out over the holidays. Number six, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. This is such a dark film for Disney, but this Jules Verne classic has so many incredible layers to it. The original cast, oh my goodness, the original cast was so impressive. But I got to tell you, the real star of this show was the Nautilus. 
it is every Imagineer's film to recreate this thing in the parks. And um, and it has been. Magic Kingdom had 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for many years. The One of the original attractions at Disneyland was a walkthrough of the Nautilus in Tomorrowland and where you actually saw the um, the squid that fights the uh, the ship. Additionally, Disneyland Paris did a beautiful job of creating a walkthrough of the Nautilus. It's very clever how they do it. Um, but you actually go on board the Nautilus and go downstairs and tour the ship and see the squid. Very beautiful, beautifully done, cleverly done. And, uh, and, and a wonderful attraction. But the best one is Mysterious Island at Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, a whole island dedicated to all things Jules Verne. And uh, it this includes a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction, which is very different than any of the others. It's more Peter Pan-like than it is um, submarine-like at at uh, Disneyland or Walt Disney World. But And I have a video that kind of highlights that whole land if you haven't had a chance to really preview it definitely one of the best lands ever created in a disney theme park and it's all based off of the incredible twenty thousand leagues under the sea number five bed knobs and broomsticks long before there was harry potter people there was magic in london and i want to go on record that this is a film I have never stopped believing in because some people reach the age of not believing. I have never. <laughs> and, and which is, by the way, one of my favorite songs of all time is the age of not believing. But other great, beautiful briny sea, long before under the sea was the beautiful briny sea, a sub, substitutionary locomotion. It's what you get when you combine Disney animation and Sherman Brothers music and cinematic magic you get substitutionary locomotion. It And here's the great news. Oh my goodness. It has now become a play on the London stage. I think it's on tour right now. This cinematic creation needs a new rebirth. You can go online uh, to my Disney at Play site and see a preview, a tr an extended trailer of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Definitely check it out. It's so sweet, it's so cool. And honestly, this is a film that could be redone and could be so much fun and with such a great soundtrack. That soundtrack, Portobello Road, so many pieces from that just really touches the soul. And uh, of course, Angela gave us Angela Lansbury. So um, great film, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, number five. Number four, this is one of my touchstone moments and that is... Roger, who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, it was a touchstone film combined with Amblin Entertainment. I heard a podcast the other day say that there were so many people who were inspired by Roger Rabbit, which technically was not even created by the animation portion, was not even created by uh, Disney animation. It was done out in London. Um, but um, people were so, there were so many people inspired by that. They went into Disney anim to become a Disney animator because of Roger Rabbit. Um, the great tragedy is that while there were additional shorts built, even shorts built at the Disney Animation Tour at Disney MGM Studios in the day, another film was never created. 
Those same legal tensions have kept the film from probably being more prominent in the parks, though Roger Rabbit's Toontown spin is still a great attraction, even as it evolves. Um, that they are making some changes to the storyline as it relates to Jessica Rabbit becoming more of a detective rather than um, someone just simply um, uh, being a Hollywood uh, starlet. Um, but if you want to see the original Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, I have a YouTube video out on J. Jeff Cobra on my Disney at play site, and you can you can see the video play out and see how it is a great. It's a pretty good, I say a pretty good um, ride. I have to caveat that the spinning portion doesn't do it too much for me. I, it always seems to spin in a direction that isn't as interesting to look at, which they did, they tried very hard to make everything 360, you know, part of the set, but there always still is something key you want to focus on in on, and your car never seemed to, seems to be faced the same direction. The way they came up with that idea, by the way, is I think, what was it? Um, I think they took it Pinocchio's and they took a mad tea party cup and they put it on on a ride vehicle and sent it through, um, through uh, Pinocchio's to kind of see if that was going to work. And that's how they kind of came up with the idea of Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. It's going to be down all year next year as Toontown is being completely remodeled at Disneyland. All right, now we get to the top three films of all time. And here we turn to first, number three, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, which is interesting. You know, we've had the Tomorrowland movie and we've had the Jungle Cruise movie and those those have merit within themselves. But could this film really have been successful without first the great Pirates of the Caribbean attraction? This, and yet, uh, this is, these are really great films, particularly the first one, which focused on the Black Pearl. Um, but they're all outstanding. They're all fun. And they're, Captain Jack Sparrow is so unique. And, and you feel like you're in the Caribbean and, and so I have to tell you, of course, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. In fact, when you join our Wayfinder Society, you get to go enter into a world that studies Pirates of the Caribbean like no other. You are going to all the different Pirates of the Caribbean attractions it's as, as we've been building them out. And you see things, you learn details about this attraction, which in my view is the great, the Disneyland and Tokyo Disney versions of Pirates of the Caribbean are the best attractions ever, ever, ever built. And then the Shanghai version is not far behind it because it is so cool and so totally different and so unique also. Um, but I have to tell you, my best, best thing about Pirates of the Caribbean, my best Pirates of the Caribbean moment was the first time my wife and I took a Disney Cruise Line trip and we got to Castaway Key. And we spent um, the morning at the family beaches, but we headed to uh, the uh, adult area in the afternoon. And we were just there on the beach. And lo and behold, I turn around and there is Captain Jack Sparrow walking out of nowhere. He looked like he had literally walked down the beaches and was completely lost. And, and, and I, as a, as a 
character in the middle of this. It, it was surreal because the, the magic of feeling like you were truly in the Caribbean and this was a pirate of the Caribbean was so, so very cool. So, yeah, number three, Pirates of the Caribbean can't go wrong. Uh, it may also explain in part why my number two choice is, is, is so high also. I love, and I have to strongly use the word love, Swiss Family Robinson. That is, that is a truly remarkable, in many ways, perhaps the best film. Certainly, it's a single film. This is probably my favorite. My number one favorite, and if you haven't figured it out, it's going to be pretty obvious. But, it, but that is a sequence of two films. This would be my number one favorite if it stood out as a single film. I get the idea of life on a tropical island living in a treehouse. I get the idea of the boys building a raft and set sail. And then you add the best pirates outside of Captain Jack Sparrow's crew and you have the making of a terrific adventure. What a great cast. Um, John Mills, the father of Haley Mills, um, and uh, so many other uh, wonderful actors who were part of the whole uh, experience and uh, just you can't go wrong with this film. Great action experiences in it, the funny race that they hold at the end. And of course, at, at Disneyland and uh, Tokyo Disneyland, you still have the privilege of going to the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse and climbing the tree. How, how real that is to be able to have that experience. I love Swiss Family Robinson. Very cool film. All right, so this brings me to the number one and probably not a surprise, but definitely um, definitely deserves on so many levels to be number one, Mary Poppins. It is perhaps the first film I remember seeing as a child in the Palms Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it starred Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, still stars Julianne, I don't know why I'm using past tense on this, but add the music of the Sherman brothers and the animation and the chimney sweeps and all that comes in this crazy films, in this crazy film, it, it is truly a remarkable film. Um, still, if Mary Poppins Returns had been the first film years ago and nobody had seen the other, it might have been more acclaimed than the original. That movie is really good. And the quality of the experiences in that film and the music in that film are very so solid. Um, yes, you can't replace Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke is unique, but, um, but the second film is very good. And combined into one, they easily become the favorite film or maybe favorite film franchise of all time. Now, as for attractions... This is a stunner because how many, how many parades, how many shows, how many times have we seen character appearances with Mary Poppins and yet there's not been a ride with the exception of the great movie ride. And yet that too is gone. 
In its wake came the promise of a UK pavilion, uh, or of a Mary Poppins attraction in the UK pavilion in Epcot. And then with COVID, that got suspended. And it's in hiatus. And yet, this is this is Disney. This is Disney's Walt Disney's most important cinematic moment because it combines everything he learned in a lifetime, even includes animatronics in it, and puts it together into one package. Truly, the greatest film he ever, live action film he ever created, was Mary Poppins. And yet, we don't have a place to go experience that. Now, I had heard that um, there was some unique ride technology if they build it at Epcot. There was talk about it being a carousel, but I understood actually that it might be more of a carousel that lifted up into the air and then was brought into kind of a, uh, a projection experience where you were literally in, in an animated world of Mary Poppins. That's what I've understood was the concept there. You don't have a lot of space at the UK Pavilion for uh, for a big attraction. You could rather too. It takes up a lot of space. You don't have that kind of space unless you take down World Showplace, that indoor uh, catering venue that they have, event venue that they have. You would have to take that down in order to get enough space for a big Mary Poppins attraction. But in my opinion, ah, be worth it. Be so worth it to put a Mary Poppins attraction into Epcot. So hoping that comes. That's my top 10 list. Mary Poppins, uh, Swiss Family Robinson, Pirates of the Caribbean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, 20,000 Leagues on the Sea, The Rocketeer, The Love Bug, Tron, and Newsies. Yeah, I'm kind of an oldie goldie, but hey, these are these are great films. Many of them really from um, Walt Disney himself, and that's why they they are part of my favorite um, Disney movie magic. Well, that does it for this podcast. We thank you for joining us. We hope you have a happy holidays. Know that on the backside of Christmas, we will have more podcasts. So stay tuned as you're kind of uh, kind of making your way through taking back returns and so forth. We'll have more shows to come. We want to wrap up the year and talk about the next year ahead. There's a lot to cover. So please be sure to join us. We look forward to having you. And by the way, we talked about the Wayfinder Society. If you want to gift yourself or someone during the holidays, that's a great thing to do for as little as a dollar a month. You can have access to Pirates of the Caribbean and other really Pandora, World of Avatar, other really great tools. That's a great film. By the way, a lot of films I left off on the list uh, today. But notwithstanding, um, check out the Wayfinder Society and have yourself a very happy Merry Holiday. In the words, a Sinbad storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Take care. We'll see you real soon.